Good evening, primetime partiers. It's primetime party time. Welcome back to our hour of all things media and entertainment. Live on the air at 9 p.m. at ptptshow.com and on your time, wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight, we are going to fully take requests on switching up our usual TV coverage and see what our listeners pitch for movies we should talk about. Tonight's feature film, our movie selection, is... Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And we're going to go into this genre of cartoons and live action, how they thrown in together. This film has been credited to be one of the best and also the best produced in 1988, which we don't know the lineup, but sounds pretty great. And it paved the way for other movies of its kind, like Space Jam. But we also know there's some others that try to do this, but can't accomplish what Who Framed roger rabbit has daniel how you doing oh hello tracy and hello uh we have a couple other people with us tonight uh on this episode of primetime party time welcome back to the show uh brandon bmac welcome wendy um just the facts and welcome kyle uh i think you were bird one episode Hello. hello well let's start off with uh some toasts and some roasts on the week tracy what's up toast and I don't really have too much of a roast, but I'll, I'll share it. But I have a couple toasts. One literal toast is that my brother and his longtime girlfriend got engaged over the past weekend. So yay, yay, yay. Congratulations. Um, so that's very fun. Um, yeah, their dog was there for it, which I thought was very cute. <laughs> so, that's great. But he has kind of, the dog kind of has a sheepish expression of them being like, ah, Ah, you can't see what I'm saying. This is audio, but you know, the classic raising of the hand picture, but then the dog is just kind of like meekly under amused. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> and we're very happy for them. The other thing I did was went to the Van Gogh immersive exhibition and that was pretty fun. I liked it. I was there for like two hours. I don't know if everyone would have stayed that long, but I have, I went with my fam and two people are very into photography. So there was going to be like a lot of time spent, but it's also in like a 35 minute loop. So you kind of have to stay like, depending on when you enter, you most likely aren't at the beginning. So you kind of have to like let it loop a couple times to see and you can see more, but it was cool. They had like little pods that were spaced out for like social distancing and stuff. And you could like look at it in the little square cushions and stuff and take lots of pictures. And like we were watching the credits too. And like Tom York was on it for some of the music, which was fun because they kind of animate the paintings to music. So that was cool. It was mostly classical, but there was something that was like a little more electric and something that was like a little more punky. And we're like, hmm, seems like Radiohead. <laughs> but yeah, they that was fun. And I don't really usually it's like in the old Amoeba building is where they had it. So Oh, oh was, yeah, okay. I saw yeah. them building that. Yeah, I was wondering what they were doing with that. I drove past that a little while ago. Oh uh, yeah. That's and sweet. I had like I had like a really like dark pitch for this place that I which I don't know how to take it, but I would you do end you know, like all things that are art related it usually ends in merch so you do end up in like a gift shop and they have pretty much you know they they put it on everything star night on everything van Gogh on everything the one thing that it seemed to be missing 
which, you know, probably, you know, the living relatives would not appreciate, but is if you had a box of chocolates and then the chocolates in the shape of like an ear. <laughs> and then you could take those home because he apparently like gave the ear in a box. So I thought that would be fun. Like you could do the chocolate or marzipan. <laughs> it was like more <laughs> accurate. And it would be a little like, ooh. But then I read that that was like very much the beginning of the end. So I was like, hmm, there's a reason why they don't like poke fun. Even though I say that and then there was an advertisement for it that was like a pop art, just singular ear. So I also was like, like, can we make light of this? Even though it's somewhat the unraveling of a genius. (laughs) Like what I'm asking is, can we have boxes of chocolate ears? I say yes. I think that you should do a guest suggestion. It should be like, I went to the exhibit and here are some ways you can improve it. You should hand everybody chocolate. I have some notes. Um, I know. It's funny because like the person who, or not the person, like the organization who did it, they like commented on my social media. I was like, who is this? And then I looked at it and apparently it's like the same people who do all of the stuff for like a bunch of Broadway things. I was like, that's interesting. Because all of their things were like Hamilton and like a bunch of other musicals. And then it was like immersive Van Gogh. And I was like, that makes sense. It was very like, there's a lot of drama, theatrics in it, which, and they also like, I do appreciate that many of the things I've gone to recently as the world's open up are like catered to millennials in a certain way, which some people would be like, this is gross, but I think it's funny where there's just like mirrors everywhere. Like, <laughs> Because they're just like, we know, we know they want to do the mirror selfie. So what we're going to do, we're just like put fucking mirrors like all over this place and they will love it and they will stay longer. And also they had that thing. I don't know if you're, if everyone's seen the thing in the desert where there's like the singular, like kind of range of slender rectangular mirrors that are all in sort of like a half moon shape that people take pictures of but they had that as well and it's like they they specifically were like the instagram girls love this we must put this in the exhibit so that they stay longer take many photos and freely promote so that's a good time i i find humor in all of that i know some people are like oh this is everything that's wrong with all of us but i'm like hmm I'll have a mirror. It's fun. They also did have some technical difficulties, which were funny because eventually they were all using Macs. And I, I say this and it's like really exquisitely put on. So this is not, <laughs> not to put it as a joke, but there's always technical difficulties everywhere. But at one point it was a Mac and it went to that generic like photo of the like, m- like volcano in the ocean that happens when you get like either a new computer or your computer crashes and it takes away all your screensavers and you're just like, look, an original painting. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> we finally uncovered this. <laughs> France to but... Silicon Valley, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so that's most of my toast. And then my roast is... Um, both of my parents lived in LA for a very long time until they moved to San Diego. And one of the worst decisions that one could make as a child is to ride in the car with them 
from south to north in uh, LA because there will be just very much people like to think that that SNL Californian skit is an exaggerated joke <laughs> and then it becomes extremely real you like, got to it... live the best skit <laughs> SNL's ever done and it's your roast <laughs> so it is funny and I did like start recording myself being like it was a choice I made to be in this car <laughs> where <laughs> and it's my dad being like I just feel like we could take the 405 and then I'm, I'm like, no, we have to take the five all the way up. And then my mom is like, at some point, it'll be the 101. I was like, it's not really the 101. We're just going towards Civic Center Drive. She's like, well, technically, well, you, there's no way we could get to Sunset Boulevard from the five. So we are changing freeways at some point, And you better be in this lane. Except for it wasn't that heated. I added the dramatics. But it was very much just a long thing of like, but I think. We should really take this four hundred five to what the sunset. Oh. That, that is ambitious. I take know four hundred five to the four hundred five and get out of my life. I think it's just like he didn't want to sit in all of that traffic in like uh like Garden Grove on Euclid on the five where it like is a lot always in a standstill until Long Beach. Like so, we could have switched the four hundred five and switched back, and then it's like do not get on the seven ten. Which I'm like, it's true. Don't get on the 710. No. There's, there's nowhere you need to go on there. Unless you're just avoiding. <laughs> avoiding your reality. That is one of the other freeways. So yeah, that's it, it is a roast, but it is also because <laughs> it is funny. And then once you get once you're going home, it's not so bad. Mm, no, it was still a little bit like of the but what lane should you be in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was funny Brandon what are you toasting to what are you roasting to tonight I don't really have much to toast I sorry roast but my toast is to going out to my first bar and I'm not quite sure how long I went to a little dancey little bar in Santa Ana with my friend Spencer who some of you may know and he danced up a storm, as in we got there at 9.30, and he danced until we left at, I want to say, 2. Wow. Yes, as in first one on the dance floor, last one on the dance floor. Yeah. Wow. I know. It was quite the show. I did not share his enthusiasm. Dancing is not my forte, but it was I participated a little bit, just not to his, his degree, but he was a great person to go out to a dancey little bar with well that's fun i didn't realize spencer expressed himself with the form of dance <laughs> it's good to know and for yes, many he, hours he very much does oh yes he was he was a very he was very much uh i'm gonna talk to everyone while i dance i'm gonna dance my way into conversations did he form a flash mob at all with all his dancing, other people join him? I don't think so, but I'd like to think he, he thought he did. He strikes me as someone who, like, stretches on the airplane and then says, like, howdy, neighbor. Only four more hours. <laughs> <laughs> he is from Santa Clarita, yeah. The Midwest of California. 
Ooh, don't say that about the Midwest. <laughs> the Midwest is so is so full of nice people. Yeah, so don't put that on Santa Clarita. Santa Clarita Santa is Clarita not like the Midwest. Is so full of, Santa Clarita is so full of nice people. We are not going to debate this. Name one good restaurant in Santa Clarita. Name one good restaurant in Wisconsin. We can play this game. I'm not going to. Wisconsin has plenty of cheese. Santa Clarita has dirt and fast food. <laughs> Hey, I feel very hey, strongly about my flags. disdain from Santa Clarita. I also don't like the Six Flags. Theme parks should have themes. Six, but Six Flags, Flags has a theme, with, right? It partners with Warner Brothers. Yeah. They don't have like a journey. There's no storytelling within the themes. It's like you go from one end to the other and there's just, just it's chaos. I do not like it. I think they have great roller coasters. But there was no lands. There's no areas. I had no idea where I was going. It's true. I would just be like confronted with a new character and a new ride <laughs> and have no idea what was going to happen next. Well, I do enjoy that Scream takes you over the parking lot. I will agree that even Knott's does a better job at, at sort of like separating. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like Knott's has some like yeah. problematic like mining areas, but they are very fun. When you're in band, <laughs> <laughs> and they and the food at Knott's Berry Farm is quite nice. The food is yes. The Boys and Berry Festival is quite fun, but not. But Six Flags has a lot of great rides. And I think I have. I just have a special place in my heart for it because that's where I had my grad night. Oh, that's fun. I think it is. I, I think it's more fun than um, Disneyland grad night. Because, you know, it just is. We were banned from Disneyland for grad night as a school, so. I feel like a lot of schools are. I feel like one person steals something and they're like, they're just handing out five-year bans to everybody. Like, you're, the guy in your trombone section stole a sweatshirt. You're not invited anymore for yeah. years to come. We went every year as a swim team, but it was also like, we were specifically like, you you guys will not be here for grand night weekend. <laughs> and I always was concerned with like, what did we do that was so bad? But I'm sure it was. I have no, I have no doubts there. Kyle, toast seeds hey. and roasties. Okay, uh, toast. Um, I just finished a road trip yesterday and Saw a lot of cool spots in California and as well as Southern Oregon, uh, Lassen National Park, the Crater Lake, as well as the Redwoods. So that definitely gets a toast. Um, roast, uh, the Crescent City of 1964. There's a city in California that was completely leveled by a tsunami in the 60s. And to this day, if you go there and try to enjoy yourself by having a night out, they do not have a historic downtown because it was destroyed <laughs> in the great tsunami of 1964. So that like was kind of a it. yeah, it's kind of a bummer. So that's the roast. So are you are you roasting the city for not having a downtown, or are you roasting the tsunamis? I can't roast the city because they did have a historic <laughs> downtown. <laughs> so to roast the tsunami, they got rid of a historic downtown. I okay. you know it's it's also commentary on American infrastructure as a whole. Not a lot of repairing 
happening. It's lots of towns, it sounds like, that just get, it's like, oh, you got wiped out by a tsunami. We forget about you. Yeah, pretty much. They never, they never tried to rebuild the historic downtown. They were just like, time to move on. So like, Sorry, nature took its course. You yeah, don't get to much. have this anymore. Like, that's so bizarre. So weird. But yeah. fun. Did you go by the Golden Coast? Um, that's Central California, right? No, the part of like, uh, it's like the, like Brookings, Oregon, like where they have, it's sort of like at the southernmost part of Oregon. I wasn't sure what your driving path was. I see, I see. No, no Oregon coast. Um, there's a mountain pass that runs from Medford to Crescent City called Grant's Pass. We took that. Oh, very nice. So, yes, and then from yes. there you went down through the redwoods. Yeah, exactly. From very there we went nice. down through the redwoods, and then south on the one hundred and one. So yeah, um, so yeah, that was that. That's definitely the toast. But yeah, I gotta call it that tsunami. That's that's a pretty big roast. Yeah, it's a it's a roast yeah. to the shores as well. Wendy, what's your toast and roast for this week? My toast and roast for this week would be the same thing. It would be. Cheers, the relationship between Sam and Diane. I think a lot of talk about, there's a lot of talk about like, will they, won't they? And I think the question should be like, should they or shouldn't they? And the answer is that they should not because it's really cute at first. Like, oh, they have chemistry, they like each other, but because it's a sitcom, they don't last. And it was fine for the first episode one to, the second season and after a while it's like okay you guys are awful people with no emotional growth because you keep going for the same problem because it's a sitcom and so after a while it's like this is really painful to watch you guys should not be together so. oh kind of like in that who's afraid of virginia wolf type way where you're like i really hope i never end up like this yeah and also it just it's entertaining, but then the more you watch it, the more you're just doing like Groundhog's Day. It's just the same problems over and over again. So yeah, so that would be the toast and the roast. So enjoy cheers, but not too much. <laughs> you're like, you're no. like, I'm doing a cheers and then I'm also pouring some out yeah. for the people yeah. who don't love themselves enough to get out of a bad exactly. <laughs> Yeah. It does not bode well for me. In our episode of Will They, Won't They's, which I think is primetime episode 20, I had just started Cheers, and I was very excited to see uh, the relationship of Sam and Diane. I have not gotten to the first, to the end of the first season yet, um, nor beyond, where it seems like that unravels. <laughs> well, that... Oh. oh, no, here you go. No, I was going to say, well, that should be an example of update episodes. Like, you know what? I used to love this show. And then weeks later, be like, do I still love this show? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. So. Yeah, we'll see. I uh, really enjoying it right now. So this, yeah, this is interesting. This is interesting. So I think without further ado, we'll take just a little break to prep. And then we're going to get into our listener feedback for Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
All right, we're now going to play a clip from listener Sean who called in for his request for us to cover Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So my movie recommendation is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That's one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid. And my question, or I think a good topic for that movie would be, um, to me that's the only good live action animated movie. And my question is, why is that? And how come Who Framed Roger Rabbit didn't lead to this whole new genre of live action animated movies that are good? Does anybody have a history with Roger Rabbit? What are our, like, did we grow up with it? Do we have feelings? Like, uh, are we familiar with it? I was like really traumatized from it. I'm going to be honest. Um, (laughs) When I, this is like when I watched it now, I got to enjoy it. But I do remember watching it as a child and being so very afraid. Like it was like a horror movie for me. (laughs) And I also remember that my parents told everyone that when I went on the ride at Disneyland as a kid, like I really hated it, like almost in tears. Cause, and then I went on that ride as an adult and just realized it's very, very trippy, similar to this movie in some scenes. And for some reason, I was just like, I don't know. It is very like overstimulating as a ride, but it's also very like joyous. So I was like, why was I so afraid of this? But that kind of goes into it that this movie definitely does not strike us as being made for kids. And yet a lot of us do have a childhood memory with it. But as a reminder, we have BMAC, Just the Facts, Wendy, and Bird, Kyle, on the call today. What are your, you know, collective and individual thoughts on Roger Rabbit? Do you, do any of you have a history with this movie? Well, I don't have a huge history with it, but I could totally understand how it is easily confused for uh, for a kid's movie because just from the fact that it has like kids' cartoon characters in, in it, even though the vast majority of them are um, background characters or doing cameos, but I think back in 1988 when this did come out, the idea of cartoons for adults was not really like in vogue yet. Like, when we look at it now, we, we have things like Rick and Morty, Solar Opposites, The Simpsons. Even though this movie was five years away from, or was around the same time as The Simpsons. Uh, cartoons for adults were just like a new concept that people were like, yeah, it's cartoons. We could, we could put our kids in front of this and watch Jessica Rabbit sing seductively. Jessica Rabbit is very seductive in this movie. And you always knew she was a bit of a sex symbol and very, you know, vivacious. But I definitely got a little bit more of it and was like, oh, hello. This is more overt than I recall as a child either. I was just like thinking of like just the glittery figure just kind of like bouncing around (laughs) right in the scene. And then like also kind of all of her, her like, it's very similar to kind of i mean she's supposed to be very much a marilyn monroe-esque character but also i like to since it's satirical it reminds me of like madeline khan in blazing saddles where she does like her sort of like 
singing in front of the guys, but she's kind of making fun of all of them, but they're all also still drooling over her kind of way. So yeah, there's there are a lot more layers to this movie, I think, that we're picking up on as adults since it was like, oh, I can't think of parts of this story that would also be very engaging for kids because <laughs> um, a lot of it does seem like it's talking about tunes as a as a part of society and like how they are used and somewhat abused by the powers that be and then there's you know the Jessica Rabbit character kind of has the classic line of like you know it's not easy you know being a woman the way I look and then she says something like I was just drawn this way <laughs> which I think is kind of a a cheeky way of of being like this isn't really my fault Mm. and and then also trying to like you know use her her wits about her to get through the system so there there is definitely a lot of like commentary throughout this and also tracking down who did it like it is a whodunit movie which i i knew and you you know like the title kind of really does get into that but i think the whole like detective noir genre was lost on me as an original viewer and this time I was like oh wow yeah they do like everything from like the music to the lighting to just all of the character dynamics and like the dark backstory with the detective whose you know mom was killed by a tune like that's it all or brother yeah I thought he said mother no I misheard oh that makes a bit more sense, but yeah, I had the fan on quite loud while <laughs> I just kind of through the thick <laughs> New York accent. I heard other when I killed you. Yeah. Um. So, Daniel, what was your history with this movie? Uh, you know, I must have watched this as a child. I, I remember certain frames of it. Uh, I am fairly unfamiliar with it as an adult. I don't really have too many uh, big memories of it. It's been coming up a lot in my life lately, so this is kind of interesting timing. It was time to watch it. I had It's discussed thoroughly in the first couple chapters of Disney War, uh, and it shows up quite a bit uh, just due to its sort of public transportation um, scenes in <laughs> the wonderful documentary L.A. Plays Itself, or Los Angeles Plays Itself, I suppose. Um, one of those is... I think porn from the seventies and one of those is a documentary made in like 2003. So whichever one is the documentary. Um, it's yeah. so, yeah, this, this was actually, uh, today, uh, was my first time watching the movie full, uh, just being an adult and, um, sort of noticing like, uh, oh, wow, this is a period piece. And, um, it's got Christopher Lloyd, local Santa Barbara <laughs> celebrity figure, uh, who I had only really known from Back to the Future and My Favorite Martian. Uh, I suppose he obviously would have had a full career, but um, it is sort of fun to to, to see him play. Uh, what is it? Uh, doc, uh, um, Judge Doom. Judge, Judge Doom. Doom. Judge Doom. Uh, and whatnot. And uh, but yeah, that that is my complete history with the movie. Nice. Yeah, I mean. There's a lot said about this movie and also getting into Sean's specific commentary on why did this not 
launch a series of movies similar to this. I think this movie does work because there is so much satire and so much of it is talking about kind of the mechanics of Hollywood and the studios, but it's also using the tunes as somewhat of, as as BMAC has commented earlier, as an allegory for how people are treated and marginalized. And yet the person who's hurting them kind of like in this vendetta also ends up being a tune itself is kind of the switch where you're like, oh, now what is this trying to say <laughs> about stuff is like people in the, in the community causing harm and kind of literally being in the shell of the human characters. So that's like, there's a lot to be said. And this movie has been definitely um, torn apart a lot and not in a negative way, but more in a like, it is the hot topic of a lot of film reviews. Though I did um, read a bit about it because like Daniel said, it has been kind of popping up more in the news with the recent Space Jam um, sequel, since that is kind of um, another movie that is similarly beloved but maybe a little bit less critically acclaimed because I think this one gets a little bit more on those like highbrow film lists because of all of the depth within this movie where Space Jam is definitely a little bit more like it's a jam it's more of a party there's like it's it's more fun filled and this movie is a lot like it's you know visually darker (laughs) it's also substance wise much darker but Yeah, we also had a clip to share from Mary, from listener from the show, who had thoughts on both Roger Rabbit and how it relates to movies like Space Jam. Yeah, uh, listener Mary uh, wrote in and she says that Roger Rabbit was iconic from collaborating both the tune world to the real world without commonly using computers like we do today. Jessica Rabbit is still like the epitome of a sex symbol, animated or not, and I can literally still remember how scared I was of The Dip. It was both a comforting movie with its bits of tune comedy, but I definitely had nightmares as, as a kid from Judge Doom's beady little eyes and his round glasses seriously made like 10 times creepier. And the image of him getting ran over by that steamroller, uh, one of those like awful emojis. Uh, but, you know, in her mind, uh, she thinks that it really paved the way for movies like Space Jam to come out and make us imagine that there is this physical place where tunes live and are among us not just on the TV. That is true. It is a bit of the screen coming to life in a much more literal way. So since we have our PTPT roundtable present, what are our thoughts on Space Jam in light of Roger Rabbit having this, yeah, you know, it's very impactful on us as viewers because regardless of if you loved it or you were afraid of it you remembered it and there are a lot of pieces of it that i think stick as strong storytelling and commentary on different elements in society inside outside hollywood but how do we feel about space jam well um i don't think Space Jam is a particularly good movie. I think it's an entertaining movie, but when if we were to comp- I it, it, does, it doesn't seem fair to compare Who Framed Roger Rabbit 
to Space Jam because Who Framed Roger Rabbit just feels like there's there's a lot more heart in it, whereas they're like they actually take the time to like show off animation where like there's like lighting changes and there's the cartoons the tunes are interacting with like practical like real life objects they're smashing plates they're holding they're holding non-animated guns they're actually animated in a way that like inner that makes it feel like there's weight to their characters whereas whereas um space jams just feels like they're it's a cartoon and it's a person and they happen to be in the same scene but they're not really there with each other that's so interesting oh go on no 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 no. i'm I'm done go ahead no i was gonna say that's so interesting because i felt like space jam had a lot of heart because Michael Jordan comes there. Well, he's kidnapped, actually. They don't, yeah, he's, they kidnap him and they make him play basketball. But he teaches them and they all work together. And I think it's really interesting that Bill Murray's character is also in Space Jam. And he always had dreams of becoming a professional basketball player, but it never happened. And then in Space Jam, he gets to live out his dreams of playing professionally with the tune with, with the, the cartoon characters. And he actually leaves the game like, I could have done it. You know, and Michael's, Michael Jordan even tells him like, yeah, you could have. He's like, I know, I know. So that's actually really, that was actually very heartfelt when he got to live that out. These are good points. I feel like Space Jam and then, you know, has more of a lighthearted feel and maybe you know, there, but I don't, I, I think it is more to like show camaraderie and teamwork. And I get less of that in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because you are, you are in a murder mystery. So that <laughs> element. It's not like, what if we all played basketball and the world was a better place? And this is a little bit more like, let's dive deeper into how much the world is not a better place. <laughs> it, is a little bit the angle of not real and then like you said there are all the situations where the tunes are you know there's the tunes that are shaking down you know the detective and kind of like seem like like gangsters or thugs and then or like the mob you kind of aren't sure but you like you do know that they they wrestle people (laughs) and they're they're doing some sort of organized crime and then and you know, there are kind of a lot of like seedy establishments, like where Jessica Rabbit sings does not necessarily seem like, you know, her I I I you know, you just like you get kind of the idea of like everyone's trying to get by in that movie. And in Space Jam, it's more like, what if we all reached our full potential? What if I got to live out my basketball dream? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's it is like I feel like these takes are good because as much as the genre is similar of live action and cartoons, they do seem like very opposite movies in that sense. Kyle, what are your thoughts on either of these movies? Do Does one resonate more so or less with you? So I guess let me just establish to start. I've actually gone my entire life without really watching either of these movies. Oh my God. That's so start boom, to boom. finish. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, um, that being said though, I do want to say start to finish, right? 
So I do remember Roger Rabbit. I think it was elementary school. Our substitute teacher came in and she actually did put Roger Rabbit on. And I probably had to be like maybe nine or 10 when this happened, right? And as we were watching this, I can remember as a kid watching this movie saying to myself, I don't get it. Like, you know, <laughs> like, it was just, it wasn't like if there were cartoon characters in it, but this wasn't actually a cartoon. Obviously, it was geared towards like a different audience because now I agree, like just from what you guys have talked about and from what I'm hearing, this really sounds like it's one of, it's a movie where you do have cartoon characters in it, but it's really geared towards a much more mature audience because there's very open to interpretation well yeah space jam was very clearly like a fun movie geared towards kids and families yeah and i think it's some of it is the motivations behind both because who framed roger rabbit is not a movie about cartoons but cartoons are kind of within the movie whereas like space jam definitely seems to be more oriented like this is a movie about the cartoon characters as cartoon characters not as these kind of members of the same society like they don't they don't really care about reality so much in space jam it's more supposed to just be like this is fun you know right. we're gonna kidnap michael jordan we're gonna you know we're gonna do the space jam we're gonna do do we're gonna play fun music and we're gonna roll with it and we can all just kind of like sail away <laughs> <laughs> whereas yeah this one is a little bit like even the ending yeah with the getting judge doom rolling him over it's like it is somewhat satisfying in the sense that you're like well i guess you've avenged your brother fact checking on the air um but it's also like you do look at it and go like ah, like i don't know like it doesn't necessarily feel like a great moment because you do just kind of feel like you're i got that kind of feeling like you're just cutting off one head of the beast and another one's gonna grow back and also because it it is sort of all of these figures are are larger than life and represent more than what they are so yeah i still watched it to this day and was just like yeah this is creepy like i am gonna watch some bake off after this kind of palate <laughs> cleanser because right. um it's <laughs> it's the acid is still freaky i think you know a similar ish and i say this with a big ish movie that i can think of in more modern times even though it's not live action at all would be sort of like toy story 3 where they have a bit heavier themes in there where you're like oh my gosh are they talking about fascism in this movie with the pink there <laughs> and and like it, it seems to go into a much like darker direction where you're like are the kids picking up on this but then it's also still to to toy story but you're getting this kind of like bigger than the characters mm -hmm. themes coming throughout so yeah it's it's interesting to see both of these movies live in the same genre but be from different they are two worlds apart. Um, and Daniel, how is what is your take on on the Space Jam? I love Space Jam. Uh, granted, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but it's it is it's a fun movie. Um, 
I, I you know, it, it's it's great to see like an athlete larger than life, like Michael Jordan, uh, get to work with you know Bugs Bunny and um, go up against whatever those villains were, but I remember them distinctly. And of course, like, like Wendy said, like Bill Murray is really like really heartfelt moment in the movie. Um, and I don't know if I made up the scene in my head or if it actually happens when he's called off from the bench in the final game during a critical moment. Um, and yeah, it, it's all just really fun. Roger Rabbit is, it's a deeper movie uh, by a lot. Yeah. The more and more yeah. I think yeah. about it, it, it's, it's pretty crazy actually how much there is to Roger Rabbit. Um, it, it's pretty oh, yeah, amazing. The, the main, the main character is battling alcoholism throughout <laughs> the movie. That is true. He is taking many shots of what I think is bourbon throughout, yes, but it is very much in an undisclosed bottle. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, sure it's like whiskey kept in his gun holster. Yeah. And it's fitting. like I said, uh, oh, sorry, God, Daniel. Oh, I was just saying, it's fitting that the person who cares most about him, her, her first scene is, is her stopping him from taking one shot. To the alcoholic con, uh, comment, I was just going to say, like I said, as an elementary school student, I didn't get the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to say that whoever got their teaching credential and then was like, I'm allowed to just like play Roger Rabbit for this, for this class because I'm seven and... Mama's gonna get paid and watch a nice picture film. You're like, somebody loves themselves a lot, but also does not want to think of the children as our future. <laughs> yeah, Space Jam would have been the, the play there. Uh, yes. Were there like, more movies like this? That's. that's I like to that think that this movie is one of a kind. I can't think of something else that like falls in line this way. I think there were other movies, but. Space Jam was the one had that had the bigger budget. There were other m movies that incorporated cartoon characters, but it didn't look very good. Okay. Do we count the Muppets in this category? Mm. Oh, because they are to, puppets. To now. be honest, I, oh sorry, Wendy. Oh, so I was gonna say I would I would actually count the Muppets with um with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because Space Jam is almost like a cartoon character, like not a cartoon character, like a cartoon movie, and they threw in Michael Jordan, whereas the Muppets incorporate what if the Muppets are real? What if they live in society with the humans and they have jobs and they have to pay taxes like everybody else? Because as a kid, I really liked Who Framed Roger Rabbit because you got to go to Toontown, and that's like yeah. going to land. And exploring exploring the houses in Two Town, like you go to Mickey's house and you get to sit on oversized furniture, and it's it's really fun when you don't realize what the hell is happening. You're just like, oh, visually, this is fun. Yeah, but yeah, that's, that's I I totally agree. That Toontown segment, am I remembering Space Jam right? In the way where the 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 primary difference is that Roger Rabbit is about like tunes coexisting in the human world and space jam is all the characters are thrust into the tune world right yeah yeah so the tune town actual segment is like the closest thing or is the closest segment roger rabbit actually gets to space jam right because it's like the main character transported to their world um which is kind of fun i'm sorry i'm just like processing that um, yeah, that's great. But and it's it also like they them reclaiming Toot Town for the tunes at the end with the reappearing ink. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And that is the closest you get to kind of like an ah moment in Roger Rabbit because a lot of it is kind of like righting the wrongs 
but it's it doesn't come without a price mm-hmm. in that one like and there's even the time where the guy like doom is or one of his henchmen or the gun comes out from the curtain and right. starts to shoot and you are a little bit like you are the one shaking down this guy and putting his tie in the like typewriter you're somewhat complicit for him getting shot and i was like watching that going like but he just like straight up you know shakes it off and moves on well he's a private detective he's not "Mm -hmm." part of the force (laughs) you know so but the 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 whole point uh, about the the two town and and the muppets um going back to the muppets this uh, the rules that these two movies established i guess my question's becoming what other stories are there to play with these rules in a way where like we did we kind of get this since not 2D animation combining with live action, but CGI became a very prevalent thing in movies right after this? Like, what is sort of not the difference? Obviously, there's a massive difference, but in in some of the in in some of the ways and and some of the sort of like ways that the characters actually do interact with CG characters on screen, um, isn't it similar in a way? I think so. Like, I think the most similar to recent day movie that I actually didn't think of until just now, and it's also somewhat of a detective movie that oh. is live action and animation is Detective Pikachu. Mm-hmm. And, That's a great point. And that, and they do like it is a bit like mm, not as dark, and it's not like a film noir at all. It's a bit lighter. At the same time, though, it is kind of having the Pokemon as they're treated more like pets, but and and a little bit almost like a um, like not an alter ego, but like a familiar in a lot of like fantasy things because everyone like has a Pokemon, and then the I guy wish. comes in and he allegedly you know his dad is like killed off in a police accident with the pokemon so this guy doesn't really want to have his own pokemon but then he kind of goes to the pokemon capital to find you know himself and he gets into all these situations and then it's all about this you know head corporate scientist wanting to combine humans and pokemon as as one so which is getting into like a weird sort of like science experiment corruption type way and there's people who are like fighting for the rights of the Pokemon. There's people who are like, no, they should be more like our things. And they kind of are trying to get to this like certain cities where like the Pokemon coexist and not. So like I do see how there are some like heavier tones in that movie, but it's still not like it's not so much of a murder mystery since it's it's, you know, just completely has different commentaries that they're trying to draw out but i do think because it's cgi even though it's animation and live action you're not getting the same thing as like the 2d and 3d on the same screen because the cgi allows it to be like this you know three-dimensional character it's just in a different format than like a than like a person because you are looking at this and seeing how they're able to make all of the scenes animated, but seem like they're real. And yet all of the characters have to stay in their 2D forms. 
So that's are that's you like saying that since it is CGI, it's too realistic and therefore it loses a bit of the impact of like a tune, like a very tuny tune? Because the art style is trying to play within the world of the movie, and not combining yeah. with an art style. Yeah, exactly. I think it's why it doesn't have the same effect. Like it's, I didn't think of that movie in the same way as I would think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit because you are a little bit more immersed in, oh yeah, they're just like a part of the world because they are more realistic and they kind of fit in. And, you know, we've gone really far in that CG animation. But if anyone has a different take on that, like Daniel, does that sort of answer your question about like whether we should group these together or is is there more to it? You know, I keep reading about this like big Spider-Man movie that's going to come out in like a year or two and that they're trying to combine all the different Spider-Mans and they're trying to do like a Spider-Verse thing with live action. If that has Spider-Verse, like the actual like into the Spider-Verse characters within that movie in some way or another, um, that'll be telling, right? Because we'll think yeah. that that's different than the rest of the movie. Um, and because my brain right now thinks that that would be different than the rest of the movie, then yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, because I do think we have other iterations of this, but I think, um, you know, listener Sean's comment is the identifier was ones that are good. <laughs> so I think, you know, there are, I'm looking at like well, other movies that movie. kind of, yeah, I know, <laughs> right, um, that come on this list and, and I mean, some of them I think are still like reverential, but maybe not getting the same sort of acclaim kind of, and some of them fall into the CGI category. So you wouldn't maybe not think about them the same way if you're thinking about like the Scooby-Doo movies that have the live action, but the CGI Scooby, or they had um, the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, which not super, I think, largely popular that had live action. It. Oh, you've but, seen it? Okay, I've I was like, it, I wasn't sure if that one was Robert as... De Niro's the villain. It's really weird, yes. but it exists. <laughs> it's it's for a particular crowd of people who really like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. Are there's the Casper the Friendly Ghost Oh, series? yeah, Casper. Oh, yeah. yeah. That movie was so sad. Really sad. Even the one with Hilary Duff is sad, where they're, like, sucking yeah. them into the vortex. So, it, it was, like, emotional mm -hmm. gut punch with the dad. Yeah. And then there's 101 Dalmatians is probably the bigger Disney one. And, and Wait, 101 Dalmatians is, is live action and animation put together? There's the Cruella de Vil. That's live action amongst the Dalmatians, no? This is they're, they're, not, are, they're not combined though. It's not animated. Yeah. And then she's next to right. Right. Yeah. They're I separated. thought that was all all live action. Yeah, it was all live or action. Is it, okay. Is it like a situation like in um what what's that movie? Enchanted, where it's like some of it's animated and then the majority of it takes part in real world and then animated again. You know, it's been a while since I've watched this one, but I'm interested because it came on the list of live action cartoons and I and I'm seeing the cover art with cartoons and the human, but it is the 1996 version opposed to the original 
animation one that is from the 60s it looks like mm. so that that'd be an is interesting one, one Glenn to close yeah she was yes. Yes. um you know i'm starting to think of why there weren't more and yeah. what's dawning on me is that this was produced by touchstone and was a way that to save basically like the Disney animation department, right? This is before the yeah. Disney Renaissance and, and there weren't any other studios that could really take this on like Warner Brothers, but it was five years away from blowing all of their money on Waterworld. And <laughs> Jeffrey Katzenberg, who, you know, was the studio head of Dream DreamWorks, like was making this. Uh, and, and then when this became a success and shortly after, it was what Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid and the Lion mm -hmm. King and hit after hit after hit after hit for ten years. Uh, was there any even space or, or anyone to take up the mantle here? Not really. And those are all you know they fall into the fairy tale category instead of this one, which is it could not be the bad. opposite of a fairy tale. And one thing that comes to mind is a show that we've covered on the podcast is like who framed Roger Rabbit instead of it saying like kind of making the ground for Space Jam I almost feel like it paves more of the way for the Animaniacs where they're kind of going like let's go deep into the studios let's make fun of everyone let's make fun of politics they do it in a much more lighthearted and somewhat positive but still very satirical way and with song but it it seems more from that universe of kind of taking all of the elements from the studios and putting them against each other, even though it's produced by the studios. <laughs> so that's, that's something that I'm thinking about as we're, as we're processing yeah. all of our, all of our thoughts about this movie. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there's, it's hard to place since this is an 88, it is kind of like the last experiment before it's just like you know everyone's hitting the home runs with each one of the animated disney features for i don't know you know good decade yeah i wonder if they just wanted to go towards a happier route because i feel like when you bring a person into an animated world it's always happier for example before who framed roger rabbit i Think the example I'm thinking of is Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. Whenever they go into an animated world, it's just like a nicer world. And whenever the animated characters go into the human world, it's just awful. Like they just deal with so much. And and it's um, yeah, it's like a reverse fantasy. Like we go to their world where the cartoon characters are, it's just like a better time. Yeah. Then it's super califragilistic. It's the yeah. And you're dancing with penguins. And then after you leave that, then you have to go back and work at the bank. Yeah, or you got to clean chimneys. I mean, come on. And, you know, they just find hit, you know, Dick Van Dyke at the park. Yeah. You're, you're kind of like, he's living a rough life, but he's singing. Yeah. He's, he's dancing. He's having a good time. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a good point, too. Cartoons became more of an escapism and less of a zoom in on the so perils. So question for the group. Um, yes. Would we consider Ghostbusters, the original Ooh. 1984 version, to be animated? Or, the, or are we just going to call those special effects? 
Mm. Mm. I don't think it's animated enough. No, though the ghost is quite, you know, I, I, I'll give you that as a, I can see why you would want to put that in this category, but there are not that many cartoons in the Michelin man definitely is a bit more like uh, like a model special yeah. effects yeah. 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 yeah but it is I that very much branding in- coming to life <laughs> <So> <laughs> it is a logo turning into a monster so i do on one hand i'm like mm, it's it's a stretch but it is it's kind of there daniel you look like you have thoughts on this yeah i just keep going back to the argument that like movies like roger rabbit and space jam the rules bend in both directions so that the 2d animated world and the live action world like become one and they, they have to sort of like play by each other's rules sometimes literally. I think these other movies that sort of use, you know, whatever type of animation in, in sort of spectacle and as in granted, I haven't seen ghostbusters in a very long time. So I don't know if the Michelin man has a character arc or if we, we, we learn a lot about like, his world otherwise um not so much yeah I, I think that's the key right um is like what is what is it servicing for the story and and in this case these movies uh, just the way that the characters have to interact on both ends you know the, the it, there's this great moment in roger rabbit during the climax where they're kind of defeating the villains the cartoon villains and they're doing it by using animation comedy like physical animation comedy in a way that it's like not, I didn't find it funny. Um, maybe in the <laughs> theater I would have in 1988. But what was great is that the characters did. It was like they were defeating them with their own language and it was still satisfying. Uh, and, and I think that that's all the difference, right? Is it is it pulls from a totally different world, a, pol- a totally different type of storytelling and a rule book for storytelling and a language and pops them together and is like, all right, fight, like figure it out. Like what, what, what happens here? Um, I don't see that in the other movies that whether they have animation, whether they have special effects, uh, at least to that extent, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like the identifier we're pulling out of this is the live action and cartoon movies have to have like the worlds collide and merge and less of the, you're just having all of these people on a journey and the kind of differences aren't so important because that is is kind of what you get from like say like the scooby-doo mentality of like everyone just thinks of scooby as a dog he's not a cartoon character and that's not relevant really to the story it's just the source material was an animated series but with roger rabbit the tune versus human element is kind of really integral to the storyline and everything that's happening and yeah to the rules of the storytelling within the movie and that's that's a good point to put out there i know there's there's a lot this movie is interesting because i think i picked it thinking like oh it's who framed roger rabbit it's such a even like looking at the cover and everything for the movie you just think of it as this bright and like oh yeah this is going to be a fun time to watch and although i enjoy it heavily i do always leave it the same way going like so intense (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I think I'm with Kyle. I just I, I've never really understood it, and and especially based on its you know key art and marketing and whatnot. I just yeah never really went back to it, and yeah, there's yeah it's it's pretty crazy. It's it's pretty different. Yeah, it's it does feel like we leave Sean's question not completely answered on how and why there weren't several of these because it does seem to just kind of have its special moment in time and in film but like we've speculated earlier with other iterations we'll have to see how the spider-verse works <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> see so purely conjecture i have no idea what's going on over there no we'll we'll just have to see if there are some that measure up and have this same sort of yeah compelling effect on its viewers because it's it's one that does seem regardless unforgettable Closing thoughts on Who Framed Roger Rabbit or anything we've talked on tonight? I think it's a great movie. I, I, I like in my in my revisit of this, I was like, this is a very strong movie that is not meant for children because they do not know how to appreciate how good this is. There are some great single shots, like just visual storytelling. There's a really, really well done animation where there's like a, a real life swinging light bulb. And then the animation is like, the lighting is changing on Roger Rabbit's face as the light is changing. It's just a real, real triumph of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And I can see why they don't make more because it looks, it looks hard to do. It looks like, oh, the, yeah. it looks like a combination of practical elements and hand-drawn animation. It could be a situation where the, where the studio just like, we're never doing this again. This was way too hard. We had to hire way too many people and it just, and I don't think anyone got this movie and I could see how it kind of soured the flavor of this of this genre for for people. It'd be hard to do, you know, it's kind of like following up after a really strong one. It'd be hard to measure up to this one. And I think another show we covered that has similar really great strides in lighting that is an animated series is Cowboy Bebop. That Hell is yeah. one that cool. also kind of and also has noir influences jazz so i think that's it's weirdly enough the shows that and other things that seem to kind of really like seem more similar don't seem to necessarily live within the same genre because like you said what they did is hard to replicate and probably extremely labor intensive to do so between the animation and the live action actors also, the uh, the final villain in uh, Ghostbusters is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, not the Michelin Man. I oh. wanted to throw that out there before, me. before, before people you get in the comments. Oh, you should have fact-checked earlier. I don't know why I always remember it as the Michelin Man, because I even was thinking, like, yeah, we did not have any, you know, storytelling coming from that character. Would he just, if he, like, came to life, only give you, like, discount tire yeah, deals it seems like it would have hurt the brand because there's not really a, like i mean as you know friendly yeah. as the character looks that you don't get the the warm and fuzzy you do from eating marshmallows as you do buying tires now and the stay puffed marshmallow man is better because it is not trademark <laughs> so they're yeah. probably able to just just really really roll with it you're like yeah take that jet puffed <laughs> we'll have none of this <laughs> but yeah i think that's now that's good it's good. We keep it. We keep it real on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no stone left unturned.
no Michelin man staying. So on that note, I think that's a wrap on who framed Roger Rabbit. And that's a wrap for this week's primetime party time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, BMAC, Just the Facts, Wendy, uh, Brandon, and uh, Kyle. And um, this show could not have been made without the following amazing people as well. We're talking our artwork. It was done by Fen. Find her at Fen Latte on Instagram. Our theme song was done by Jay Wright. Find him at jwrightmusic.com, our website with thanks to Coco. Production manager is BMAC. We also had a recording from Sean this week and a text from Mary. Thank you both. Find episodes of Primetime Party Time on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to rant, roast, and or rave with us, you can hit us up by sending an email to info at ptptshow.com. We can also get a more fun email address, maybe. I've been thinking about that. Via our voicemail. Uh, or chat box also on the ptptshow.com homepage if that seems more fun. Uh, they're both there. And you can also catch next week's primetime party time next Monday live at 9 p.m. Pacific right here on ptptshow.com. Uh, Jay Wright's going to play out, which means I think I forgot something. I wonder what I forgot. Did I forget anything, anybody? I don't think so. Name that movie, Bad Food, Worse Weather, Mary fucking Poppins, London. Nobody. All right, let's snatch, and it's the only reference of Mary Poppins that I know. I've not seen the actual movie. Snatch? As in the guy Richie Snatch? Absolutely, it's Cousin Abby. Brad Pitt Irishman movie? Absolutely, don't go to London.